Mojo. Ah, yes, here it is. Got your mojo working. Pizzazz, oomph, zest, passion, energy, vibe. ACDC, the Mojo Radio Show. Hey, that can't be right. I got my mojo working. But it just won't work on you. Hey everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the Mojo Radio Show. It's the show, that's, it's the place to go to when you want a little something something to get your mojo working in or out of the workplace. We just find people that we like, we think have got a good opinion, good tips, tools, good stuff to share that help you get your mojo working. Whether you're at work, you're at play, whether you're at home with the kids, whether you are playing golf, whether you are in a boardroom doing business. It's the place to go to to get that little something-something to put the spark in your day to help you be better. And to keep the ship uh, fueled, uh, we don't run on diesel, we run on coffee. Thank you to our good friends at Fish River Roasters for Indeed. the brew. And uh, our other sponsors, Corona, Mission Corn Chips. Tim Tams. <laughs> None of which support us, but we surely would like them to. Mm, indeed, please. So How you are you, Gary? <laughs> yeah, I'm going good. That's good? Going good. Yes, it's been a big week. And mm. uh, we've got a very good guest on the on the phone this week. We're going all things digital. Yes, very interesting. So um, what have you been up to? I have been out this week. I did a couple of speaking gigs, which mm. was good. I've been writing. The brand new espresso has hit the deck. No, I'm not talking about coffee. Oh, we left that topic. <laughs> no. Now, the espresso is a little... Um, newspapery bloggy thing I do where I mm. find the best new ideas from around the world and drop it out to people's uh, mailbox every Wednesday afternoon. So mm. I pulled it off the air for four weeks because, well, number one, I was bored with my own stuff. Um, <laughs> That's always a good sign. You should probably stop. Yeah. yeah, but number two, I just wanted to just wanted to challenge myself to sit back and say, how can I make it better and what can yeah. I learn from it? And if I was going to start from scratch and do it all over again, what would I do? And I think... Um, I think based on the feedback, we've actually done all right. So I'll That's put good. a link to that in the show notes. People can yep. go through and subscribe. It's free, and it does, it's not a selling thing. It's just a you know something to help mm. unlock people's ideas. So um, mm. how's your oh, week been, good. mate? Man, I've been very busy. I had a, a really good week actually. I had um, a busy work week. Firstly, I um, a couple of guys who found me on Facebook. Uh, have, we should actually get them on the show for a quick chat. They've actually been out rounding up money to um, to start their own radio countdown show. Um, really? Yeah. So I can't give away too much at the moment. It's all very secretive, but they came to me and have asked me for a bit of help in um, in getting it all together. So that's been a bit of fun. Two really, really switched on guys, I think. Wow. So um, they're going to go a long way. So um, so maybe once that's all up and running, we can get them on and have a chat about that. That's very interesting. Is it coming to you via Facebook? Um, yeah. Which makes me think there's a guy called Andrew Griffiths who... Uh, is a an entrepreneur who trains entrepreneurs like he's a speaker mm. and a writer mm. and that's mm. the sort of stuff that he's um, we should get him on the program actually I'll, I'll make a phone call and see if I can get Andy on yeah let's do that but um, the, the one big thing the one big mention goes out to um, 38 very special nine year olds who had a massive day on Sunday down at Rat Park at, um, at Narrabeen we, uh, we had the under 10 state championships so um, huh. which is what the Eastwood squad's been training for for the last six weeks and uh, our boys held themselves in very high esteem. So, uh, mate, they weren't the, the team that got beaten 138 to nil, were they? <laughs> no, that was uh, that was Eastwood. That was Eastwood v Penrith. That was the first grade. Uh, to put it in perspective, the shape of West Rugby Union in Western Sydney uh, across five grades, Eastwood put 637 points on Penrith on the weekend. Holy <laughs> mackerel! Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, 
a lot of work needs to be done out there by the ARU, unfortunately. It's uh, it's certainly not a stronghold. So, Just um, uh, send them an email with a link through to the Mojo Radio Show. Yes, and, uh, we'll see I if we, we can. Uh, those boys have certainly lost their mojo. Well, um, Absolutely. Now, before we get in the show, mm. uh, I know you had something there to share. Yeah, I do. I've got a, a what were they thinking. You think it, but how often do you say it? What were they thinking? Now, answer me this. Food Standards Australia are about to set a temporary maximum limit for residue levels of rat poison in our pork. Oh, no. <laughs> You're kidding me. They are going to set the Acceptable level... Acceptable levels. Acceptable level. Oh. Yeah. So they're going to say that nothing more than 0.4 milligrams per kilogram or parts per million, and they're saying that it will only pose a very low risk to consumers. Now, my point would be... Firstly, what were you thinking? And secondly, should there be any acceptable level of risk with rat poison in food? I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'd want to feed my 19-month-old daughter pork that had rat poison in it. I don't know about you. And that's the thing. We don't even know what this is doing to us. I mean, it's that's not going to present for 10 years until they do a finding and find out that. But, I mean, the key thing with this is you can't trust these people mm. to tell you what's good because they keep changing their minds every day. So, I mean, rat poisons and this sort of stuff, that story we had with Kraft macaroni and cheese. It's just, yeah. you know, read the labels. In fact, you know, just go to the farmer's markets and buy directly from the farmer. It is yeah. the, it is the, probably the most secure way to get around this crap when you can look him in the eye and say, what am I buying? Gee whiz. Yeah. We better get into this week's show, mate, because it's a big one. Let's do it. The Mojo Radio Show. So I met Tim Martin from Net 101 some years ago now, and we've kept in touch and we've crossed paths many times when I've been on the speaking circuit and Tim has either been presenting or, in fact, in the audience on some occasions. And he is a very interesting guy because not only is he an expert in digital and social media and websites and so on, but he's created his own category now where he now coaches and teaches people how to do it. So there are people who will do it for you and there are people who are really good at it, but he's created a brand new business based on teaching people how, what, what's, what's the steps to it? What's the, what's the digital 101? So his company's called Net 101. He's terrific. Tim Martin, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show, mate. Great. Thanks, Gary. So um, it's good to catch up, mate, because I haven't seen you for a little while. And uh, I have to admit up front, there's probably behind the scenes two reasons to get you on the show. Number one, I know you're an expert in digital and all things social, which is brilliant, but probably also just for Robbo and I, we've got the show, it's been going now for a number of months, but we've got our own questions as to how we use social media. So it's going to be a little indulgent from our own perspective. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe a lot. Yeah. I don't have any problem with that at all. Let's just run up the flagpole. It's going to be a lot indulgent. That's right, exactly. Just explain the kind of the, the lane you guys play in now in terms of digital and social media. Okay, so um, you and I have known each other for a while and, and I actually took some some great learnings from, um, I think, a couple of presentations uh, from yourself. So thank you very much. Well, so you're the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, um, some really good stuff, actually. You know, what what you talked about in the early days, and it really resonated with me, is is um, having that brand position, which um, communicates essentially, you know, what you are, mm. and, and, and makes that that value proposition stick in people's minds. And and that's you know a learning that I took to Net One Hundred One, which is the brand that that represents my training and education courses. So look, it has been a bit of a journey. Um, you know, I've gone down a few wrong paths and so forth. I found out, for example, that I'm not a very good consultant, so I don't do uh, much of that uh, anymore. But I like training and edu- educating, and I like putting options on the table. And uh, 
and uh, lifting people up and having them make better business decisions, essentially. Mm, mm. And the business is going good. So although you've probably taken some wrong turns, you've taken a lot of right turns. When you when you look at your own brand, what would you say are some of the most successful strategies you've implemented for Net 101 to do with social media and the digital world, mate? Look, I think it's it's been a growing confidence, and I'm not completely there yet, um, but a growing confidence around um, having a position which is not, I guess, dumbed down to the lowest common denominator or sometimes what I refer to as, as corporate beige. Um, and, and I think it plays particularly well in social. I mean, people aren't on social to, to get corporate speak and, and, and dumbed down sales communications. They're, they're there to be entertained or to have a little bit of fun or to, or to learn or, or to understand how things work. So I've been more confident in in putting personality around the brand, um, quirkiness, if you will. Um, now that will marginalise some people, but I'm hoping the ones that uh, that you know are still in the room after the rest have left are the ones that are there for yeah. the right reasons. How do you decide that? That's a really interesting point. How how have you gone about deciding? what those, let's call them values or per- personality attributes would be for Net 101. Was there a process you went down? Uh, well, the process was, um, and, and I'll use the word again, I think confidence in, in my mm. own personality that mm. um, rather than trying to sort of manufacture a, a position or, or a brand placement as such, it was just to do things that I enjoy doing. And, you know, if there's things that I like, you know, ironic humour or, or quirkiness or, or if I like to hold a fish, you know, on the homepage, then the confidence just to go ahead and do that and say, well, look, that's me and and, um, and uh, if anything, if you don't like that, well, <laughs> don't turn up to a course because you're just going to be all the same. <laughs> more no, not, not the fish. I don't take a fish to the course. <laughs> Should everybody be on all social media platforms or is your belief that you should pick one and own it? Like what's your, what's your view? Yeah. Look, um, I just can't imagine that the, the size of a team or the resources that, that would be required to do a good job of, of all of the big options out there. I mean, um, you know, I, I struggle myself and I've got a lot of time and leeway in terms of where I spend my time. Um, so I think it, it really is a case of picking the platform or the platforms that make sense on, on a business level. So, and when I say business, I don't purely mean um, sales, but all organisations are there to perform some outcome. Um, so it's understanding your, your target audiences. It's understanding uh, where they are naturally hanging out. Now, a lot of people will say, you know, fish where the fish are, but I actually say fish where the fish are feeding. So just because everybody's on Facebook is not necessarily to say that's the best starting point. Um, but I think the, the big question is, is around uh, content, the ability to produce content that transcends sales and marketing communications that actually lends credibility to the brand. So it's picking the content, short form, long form, you know, streaming video, audio, uh, images against the platform where you think the target audience is and, of course, the overlay there being the organisational objectives uh, in the first place. But I actually like your comment about um, owning, owning a space. I think that to own a space or, or get visibility around your subject matter expertise is is a case of um, of isolating a niche and trying to deep dive on it and produce a lot of high quality content that lends 
or positions you as, as the go-to person in, in the space. And, and online is a wonderful way for people to discover uh, individuals that know a lot about a lot of things that otherwise, you know, would have gone completely undiscovered in the old days. That's that's really good. I just read a quote um, on Forbes magazine uh, on their website and they talked about some of the biggest questions in digital right now. And one of the first things this guy who wrote the blog or the story in on Forbes said was, um, how will you become the voice of dot, dot, dot? Mm. And I thought that was a really good way to think about it, which kind of fits in with what you're saying, isn't it? That if I run a manufacturing company or I run a charity for diabetes or I whatever it may be, I guess the question then is just, is what you're saying, you think about who the end user is and who am I talking to? What's the platform that appeals the most to them? And then thinking about content you can use to become the voice of your lane in diabetes or your lane in furniture manufacturing or is that is that kind of what you're saying? Is that be right? That, that's, that's exactly it. And I think one of the traps that, that individuals and organisations fall into when they come to social media is they try and use it um, by default as a, as a marketing sales channel. But in actual fact, it can be a great way to project credibility around a brand and then let the sales naturally follow up after that. Are you, is, there, is there a particular social media platform that you resonate the most with that works best for you and Net 101? Uh, look, this is this is going to be a, um, a roundabout answer to that question, which is to say my own website. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm a really strong believer that um, most organisations or brands don't get the right to go and play on social media until they've got their room in order, which is to say mm, that the website mm. is positioned well, it's operating well, mm. um, it's it's it shines, it, it converts, it's being measured, it's been maintained, um, you know, because that, that's your own real estate at the end of the day. No one can take that away from you or mess with it. It's also a very important uh, lead and, and value generator for all organisations. Um, social pales in comparison in terms of what it can do compared to to what your own website can do, do for you and, and, and a blog possibly too. Can, can I just quickly ask, um, Tim, it's something I'm struggling with at the moment. Um, Voodoo Sound, which is my company, um, I'm actually just just about to wrap up a new website. And something that I struggle with is because I, I operate a recording studio and I have a number of specialties in terms of I do stuff for radio, I do stuff for television. Um, I obviously also promote the fact that I do um, pod, I work on podcasts and all that sort of stuff. How do I... How do I then market that website? Because the difficulty I have is that if I go out there and I start saying, well, okay, um, I'm promoting to, to radio stations that I do, you know, this type of work, um, yet they're landing on a website that shows I'm, I'm actually not a master of one trade, I, I'm, I'm a mix of all. Does that mean that I should have three websites or does that mean that, I, I, and that's something I'm struggling with. I just sort of feel like you land on my website because I, I'm looking for someone to do work on my TV show, but I see this guy that does this, 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 and this. Um, you know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Look, it, it, it's quite a challenge. Um, I mean, conceptually to have three websites or, or three blogs or, or three YouTube channels, um, mm. you know, it's, it's easily done. We could open all those up, uh, uh, you know, within a day or two, but mm. to actually maintain them and mm. feed them, that is the real challenge. That's so, right. um, look, one, one strong uh, angle um, in terms of having 
different content for different target audiences within the one domain or, or even the, the one blog is that when, when people start the discovery journey on, on a search engine of choice for most of us in Australia, that would be Google, yeah. that based on what they're looking for, um, they'll tend to land deep within a blog on a particular post or deep within a website around, you know, the content on, on that page. So yeah. to some extent, it almost becomes irrelevant what else they're seeing on the site if they've actually landed on the page that, that you know, uh, meets their their information mm. uh, request, so mm. to speak. Mm. Um, but look, it's it's difficult, and and I say to or recommend that a lot of people, if if they are looking to start a new business, that they should try and identify a niche mm. and and really get visibility around that niche. Even though they could say, well, look, you know, I've got services that 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 go across a whole lot of industries. Mm. Try and pick one service and isolate within one industry sector. And become, you know, known for that that one thing. Be, be the big big fish in a small pool. Yeah, Tim, on, on that uh, website point, I think that's a that's a cracker for anybody listening who has their own website. To me, it sounds like they should go and do an audit on their own website because we've done a lot of stuff with different CEO groups and so on. And invariably, when you go and do your homework on someone's site. Their blogs haven't been updated since 2014. Uh, news is uh, very old. The photography is ordinary and very old. And yet you're saying that it's the, it's, it's the king in terms of your communication. They really need to go back and do an audit there before they start tweeting and posting and Instagramming, don't they? <laughs> how, um, how polite do I have to be on the show? Not very. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we're, uh, mate, be up front. Yeah. Tell us it is. I tell you, I, I look at a lot of websites and they, uh, well, I'll be polite. They're, they're, they're not great, as you've just said, mm, Gary. Mm, mm. And, and I think part of the problem is that um, they actually haven't looked at their own website in a while. Um, yeah. You know, I, I see the website as a, as a probably a, an initial touch point for a lot of people that want to know more information around that brand organisation and they're checking out that site every day. Now, I, I, I couch that in terms of what I call the lobby experience. You know, you walk into a lobby or a reception yeah. area and that's the first impression of that that brand or that building. Um, and there's no way a business owner would walk into his or her own lobby or reception area and see rubbish on the floor and lights out and dead flowers and, and, and not go and kick somebody's butt for that. Yet, they don't look at their own website and they're not aware of, of how trashy it looks. Hmm. Um, and I think if you if you held a mirror up and showed them, this is your site and this is what people are looking at every single day, they, they would be a little bit ashamed. That is so good, that, that the lobby experience. Mate, <laughs> I'm that's in a big cracker. trouble, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go have a look now. And the sad thing is, Tim, you walk, on, you walk through the lobby of Robbo's website, that's one thing, walk through the lobby of his studio with the Tim Tams and cocaine. <laughs> Holy mackerel. Mm. Um, it's a lifestyle. Tim, back to something you said when we <laughs> when we started the interview. Um, is it a fair contention that social media, the way it's currently being done by a lot of people, is dumbing down the value of brand? Social media is not very conducive to to a very sort of rigid corporate brand. Yeah. And I think that that when organisations try and transplant their their brand and social, it just it doesn't. It doesn't sit well or, or particularly comfortably. And I, I think saying, well, look, if we're going to put social out and we're going to try and be social, which is the social and social media after all, um, 
how are we going to position the brand? How are we going to talk? What's our, our tone of voice? And mm. and I think they struggle a little bit because for the first time they actually have to confront what what the brand stands for and, and you know how we're going to be represented in, in social media. Um, so if social media has done one thing, it's it's forcing brands to to sit up and and, and reappraise what their their brand really is. Mm. That's um that's gold, my friend. That is gold, and then there it is. Um, <laughs> Is there a template that you've seen that helps people understand what they should spend? Because it seems to be a big question mark for people. Yeah, no, it, it's a great question. Um, my position is is that, you know, why buy media? Why buy, you know, column space or, or airtime when you can just be the media? So mm. social media does allow uh, organisations to bypass those traditional mass media outlets and just go and project you know, onto the World Wide Web. So then the question is, um, if you're not buying airtime, um, you, you have to invest in resources around content production. Now, that, that's a cost, obviously. So what I see organisations is they're under-resourced in terms of being able to pull off what they're setting out to do, which mm. essentially is just more arms and legs mm. to sit down and, 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 and have a brand new department called the media department because... You know, if we're in social media on any level today, you have to consider yourself as a publisher, as a media outlet now. So yeah. why not start yeah. thinking like a media outlet? Yeah, it's great. In fact, it was funny. It's one of the questions I was coming to is, um, you know, should we start thinking like publishers? Because you've spoken about content. But to become a publisher is a change of thinking, isn't it? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, businesses don't consider themselves publishers. They say, well, look, we sell bikes or hand cream yeah. or, or, or professional services or, or whatever. But, um, you know, it, it doesn't take much to, to point out to somebody that every time you go and put a post on, on LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever it may be, you, you are actually publishing. And if you're going to do it, you may as well do it really well. So let's get some publishing skills together. Um, but when you think about publishing or consuming media, I mean, people are quite used to turning on the television and flicking to their favourite channel to watch their favourite programs. I mean, that's what's happening now in social media. Mm. What people are doing is they're identifying um, platforms, they're identifying channels and, and individuals or organisations that are publishing and they're tuning in based on, on what their interests are. So if you, if you want to draw that analogy out, it's no mm. different than what we've all been doing for a long, long time, which is selecting our, our media of choice. Gee, it's good, Tim. We um, it makes me think of an interview we did a couple of weeks ago with a guy, Soren Molno from Smile Clothing, and these are a, a bunch of surfing Australian guys who go surfing up in um, Asia, and they've been doing it for a while, and they discovered that children up there didn't even have enough money for school uniforms. They set up a, a charity stroke business type thing where if you buy one of their t-shirts or board shorts, or whatever, they will donate. Without any questions, they'll donate a school uniform to a child in the area who needs it. And it's just a fantastic business. But mm. what Soren taught us was that if you just start and have a crack and you keep doing it, you can get better and better at it. So businesses really need to start doing the same thing with their content, their publishing, don't they? Oh, completely. And, and I, I think that is the the secret uh, to make this whole thing work, which is is to start. Um, you're going to fumble and fall. You're mm. going to be a little bit embarrassed by the first things you produce, but you keep going and you get better and you get better and you get better. And it's what I call being on the journey. Um, but if you never start, if you never, you know, push something out for the first time for fear that it's not going to be perfect out of the gate, then nothing will ever, it, nothing will ever happen that, that you'll be really proud of in the end. Tim, just finish this sentence for me. A great 
website front page is one that? Sparkles. Okay, so let me define sparkle. Sparkle means that um, it has been loved and tended like a well-kept garden, that that somebody has has done something to it probably within the last uh, few days. And I'm, I'm talking about rebranding or, or mixing the whole thing up, but the imagery is powerful. Images can tell an amazing story and they have to be mm. authentic, real images. They pack a punch, they hit emotional buttons, they get people in the right frame of mind. Um, that the copy must just be beautiful, beautiful mm. written copy that resonates. It's it's uh, its tone is relaxed yet confident. That the homepage really is is a series of signposts for other people to get through to different parts of the web. So you don't try and shoehorn everything that you do in the universe um, on that that one page. It it should be, if not minimalist, um, it should be clean and well ordered. Um, I should, for example, be able to land on anybody's homepage and within three seconds know three things. Uh, Who are you? Uh, What do you do? And where do you do it? And uh, you'd be amazed at how many website homepages you look at and you kind of know who they are. Possibly what they do, they could be in industrial engineering, uh, maybe, but no idea where you do it. You haven't said anything about being Australia or serving Australia or being based in Adelaide or Melbourne, so I've actually got no idea physically where you're located, which makes it problematic. Man, I've got a lot of work to do, Gary. Yeah, mate. <laughs> just, uh, I'm, I'm making a list here, mate. I'm, I'm in a second, second A4 page um, in small font. Um, you know, the irony, I, I, I learn a lot of these things off Gary. I think I took you know, <laughs> don't copious, tell him that. copious notes no. when, when Gary did his presentation. No, don't tell him that, Tim, honestly. Do you have any examples of people who've used social media inside a company to enhance their own internal voice? Oh, wow, that's that's great. Um, yes, I have, uh, without uh, naming names. Yeah. But it's actually something that I would be encouraging um, all executives to, to, to start thinking about. I mean, it sounds a bit cheesy, but I'll use the expression anyway, um, brand you, um, mm. which is to say that you yourself as a professional um, are going to be around for, for – quite a while, a uh, number of working years ahead of, of all of us and chances of us working, you know, for the same uh, business for the rest of our working lives are, are quite remote. Mm. So the idea of trying to build up a, um, a visibility or a portfolio um, that um, people are able to find, discover and, and engage with, I think is really, really important. And predating sort of the internet or, or social, that, that would have been quite a big ask to go ahead and build a, a marketplace presence um, that, that, that people could uh, take notice of, but we can do it easily today. So if you've got, you know, your own website or you've got your own uh, blog or, you know, YouTubing or whatever it may be, then you can actually start to position yourself as someone in the know, sort of that, that subject matter expert that we were talking about before. Mm. And, and you want to start building that up well before you would ever want to use it. And you know, I think mm. a lot of people make the mistake of, of being made redundant or wanting to make a career uh, shift and then they start trying to build their presence up. Well, that's way too late. And a companies. Um using social media for research? Oh, yeah. Um, I talk about first position. So first position in social is just listening. And um, in terms of research, I mean, it's it's what the market is saying, what the market mm. is asking for, um, what your competitors are saying, what people are saying about your competitors. 
Um, so a lot of that is, is qualitative. Um, I, I still think you need the traditional disciplines of market research methodology to, to draw, you know, um, statistical meaning out of mm. that. Mm. But you, you can get a sort of a feel for, you know, the buzz and the hum as to what people are liking and not liking. You, you have to be careful you don't fall into the trap of, of uh, only paying attention to the squeaky wheel because that can distort things a little bit because one or two people are complaining or raving doesn't mean that's what the entire market is, is thinking or feeling. But, you know, it's a tremendous market research opportunity and, and you know, I do hear from some organisations saying, well, look, we're not interested in being in social. And I'm like, well, you don't have to be there in terms of publishing and projecting, but gosh, you know, um, you can certainly put an ear to the ground. Yeah. Um, I also saw a stat recently that... Um people tend to want to interact with those that have massive followings. But some of the most powerful communication comes from those that have less than 500 followers. And seemingly this article was pointing us towards the fact that it's more the right people who have an opinion as opposed to just somebody who is following thousands and have hundreds of thousands of followers. Is that kind of sort of fitting with what you're saying? Well, I think there's, there's, a, there's a little bit of a, um, a disconnect out there in terms of trying to measure, you know, how successful individuals or, or brands are mm. because a lot of people are still referencing what I call the vanity metrics. So vanity metric is a, is a, a larger number makes you feel better than a smaller number, but it actually sort of is devoid of meaning a little bit. So, for example, hits to your website or the number of fans you've got on Facebook or the number of followers on Twitter, I mean, that's fine. But what's the level of engagement? What's the level of trust? How robust is that community in terms of them um, wanting to gather around and listen to what you have to say? And, and you know, I think this this transcends social, but quality always trumps quantity, um, yeah. you know, if you want to think of it that way. But, yeah, people are still obsessed about trying to get big numbers, big followers. And, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's individuals, markets of one that will make or break your business. Do likes count? People talk about how many likes or how many followers. Does it mean anything? I mean, in the context of Facebook, for example, if you're talking about a like, the, a, a like means that someone has fanned the page and then that means potentially they're going to see uh, the content from that page on, on their newsfeed, mm. right? Mm. So it is important mm. to get people mm. to follow or to like. So potentially they're going to be able to hear uh, what it is that you're publishing. Now, there are certain problems around getting content onto the news feeds of fans and, and, and followers, mm. but... If it's seen as a way to sort of open the communication channel, that makes sense. But just to chase likes for the yeah. sake of getting more likes, I mean, that, that's completely yeah. meaningless. Mm. Here's a question for you, uh, Tim, which probably, which permeates for the Mojo radio show, but probably for any small business startup is probably useful information as well. Um we, we've got to the stage with the Mojo Show where we've probably, Gary and I have probably exhausted our social networks in terms of getting new people to like our pages. Which didn't or, take long. Yeah, which didn't take long. <laughs> it took about a week and here we are six months in and we're still trying. But um, how, how do we move outside of our social network, our own social networks and, and actually attract more likes? Hmm. Okay, there's a there's a couple of uh, of angles here. What one is that um, search engine optimization is still a real thing. A lot of people say, "Oh, well, that was back in the bad old days," and you tried to trick Google into to hmm. getting yourself up, you know, number one on page one. But um, if you publish long form textual content on your website or your blog, you have the ability to attract people into your own branded space 
and and then offer them subscription options around subscribing to the blog or going and checking you out on Facebook, becoming a fan or, or, or following you on Twitter. And that can be a way that once they've discovered you, then they can lock into that channel, so to speak, and, and, and get that flow of stuff that you're publishing through your social. Um, another angle is to not wait for people to come to you, but to go to them. Okay, so um, proactively reach out into a community on, on various platforms and, and start making yourself known. Now, the, the trick there is to not sort of gate crash the party and try and sell people insurance policies two minutes after you've met them. Um, but, you know, find a, find a community and there are many communities out there that, that are your people and they're talking your language. Um, and, and, and start engaging with them and, and seeing if there are ways that you can, you can add value and, and boost your own stock. And, and that's when sort of those, those real business connections start to get made and, and business gets done. Yeah, it's very nice. On that, Tim, you hear people today, it's become part of our vernacular. And I know it's a social media term, but it's also become part of conversation. Hashtag, how do I use a hashtag? <laughs> is, is it actually a marketing and brand tool if used well? Yes, it is. And it's very, very important. Um, a, a lot of people get a little confused and miffed around hashtags um, when they're looking at what we call contextual hashtags. So right. context, contextual hashtags add context to a post. So for example, you know, I love what the government's doing at the moment, hashtag not, which means the very opposite of what I just said. That's contextual. Okay. But hashtags, if used well, serve two major purposes. The first one is that it, it, it heightens visibility around themed content. So communities are starting to find each other's content mm. by understanding what the glue is that binds that content, and that tends to be hashtags. So, for example, if you if you wanted to dive into the community that are talking about Australian politics and social, you would go onto Twitter or Facebook um, and you would use the hashtag Ozpol. Yeah. So if you run a search on that hashtag or click an existing hashtag, that will surface all of the content that shares that tag. And so then you can find content that's related to that idea and then you can find the people that are behind it. Um, hashtags also serve a very important uh, role around what we call the back channel. So increasingly now when we've got events, it could be a television program or a sports game, gallery opening, whatever it may be, that if the event organisers are uh, proactively promoting a hashtag, it allows us to search on the hashtag while we're at the event or even if we're not at the event, we might be on the other side of the world, and then we can un uncover all of the people that are gathered around that television program or that that uh, sports game see their comments, their videos, their their posts and pictures, and and start talking to them. So, mm. back channel hashtags give rise to what we call disposable communities. So you really just a community for the for the time that the television is on, on a Monday night, for example. And then when the the program finishes, you stop following that hashtag, and the community just as quickly dissolves again. So, yeah, they are serious things. That is the most profound way of having it described, Tim. That, that was very, very good, mate. I actually think I understand them for the first time ever. Hashtag, hashtag, you're a guru. Um, yeah. What's your favourite app for productivity? Oh, that's easy. Look, I've had it for a few years now and, and, and uh, my web developer introduced it to me when I was uh, launching a couple of internet startups three or four years ago. And it's called Trello, uh, T-R-E-L-L-O.com. And it's a, essentially it's a, an organiser to-do list, but it's based around the concept of cards. So I don't know whether you've ever been into, you know, an internet startup or web developer's office or whatever. They tend to have these sticky notes all over the wall and they 
the sticky notes left and right into different columns depending on where they are in the in the different uh, parts of the project. So Trello uh, replicates that idea. So it creates columns of cards, and you're able to move the cards between columns, and each card can contain all sorts of information like lists, attachments, images, all sorts of things. So it pretty much that's my ability to keep my life on track. I, I actually don't know what I would do if Trello went down. I'd be completely stuffed, I'm sure. <laughs> sure I hadn't heard. That one's a cracker. Um, what's your favourite app for learning? For- it's called uh, the podcast app or it's called Audible. Um, yep, so okay. I, I don't read very much anymore. I listen to everything through my ears. Really? So the podcast. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and the reason for that is that I find it a very efficient way to learn because I do a lot of uh, walking. I walk the dog every day for uh, five kilometres. And that's my chance for one hour every single day at least. Of course, I listen to stuff when I'm travelling on the plane and public transport, but one hour a day at least that I can pull some goodness down through my ears. Mm. So it's podcasts, you know, such as yours or, or um, a number of other ones that I listen to. Um, and, of course, all of my deep diving on my books, whether that's fiction or nonfiction, um, is in audio format. And I get all of those from uh, audible.com. Any books that, is is there a book that stood out to you in the last number of months that's had a a profound effect on your thinking? (laughs) I think the the last book I read is the one that that really shakes my world. (laughs) Isn't that always the way? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Look, I, um, no, look, I don't think there's there's been um, one in in particular. found a lot of really good stuff out there. I, just on a, on a personal level, I like reading about um, what, what they call the genre of microhistory. So one particular idea and you deep dive on it. So I've just finished um, mm. the, the history of salt, uh, which is fascinating. Um, and I've just started one on on debt. So it's the whole history of, of debt and financial debt and cosmic debt and, and uh, societal debt and so forth. So, look, I, I try and mix things up a little bit. I try and get a balance between my business books, you know, my social media books and business books and, and, and having a little bit of fun with it. I think if you just sort of go too much into business, you can kind of sort of burn out a little bit. I think it's fair to say, Robbo, we have not had a guest that's done a deep dive on the history of salt. No. No, I can't say that I have. Or debt, for that matter. Don't invite me to a dinner party because I'll start rapping on about the salt on the table. I'll bore everybody just to tears. That's a cracker uh, though, Tim. That, that is absolute gold because there are some times when there's a seat next to you and a guy or girl sits there and you go, what am I going to talk about for the rest of this dinner party? Mm, salt. You're never at a loss, mate, because you just look at the table and go, Let's start on salt. Yes, and then move on to hashtags. <laughs> hashtag salt. Oh, man, I, I, I look forward to our next uh, brew and or meal together, mate, because uh, you are just a wealth of knowledge. Absolutely. Yeah, well, well, don't, don't say you haven't been warned, okay? <laughs> um, and just to finish off that, Tim, is there a great book on digital stroke social media that you would recommend to somebody to continue the conversation we've had today? Look, there are some some good books out there. Um, I think I'd say still today, um, the first couple that I read, I think, when I um, left my my uh, offline job and got into digital and social um, was uh, The Long Tail by Chris Anderson. Um 
And, you know, that's, that must be coming on, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years old now, but that's been one of the most influential books for, for anyone that does anything on, on the web, which is how value can be generated by um, selling things not in high volume, but selling more things in low volume, selling less of more. And uh, that, that applies out in all sorts of different business models. And, and it really sort of plays to the idea of, of the importance of niche and to, to try and own a small space. Now, in a digital context, being small actually makes you super large, ironically. Um, so if you can specialize in something, you can actually have a global footprint now, which I think is extraordinary. And uh, there's probably a couple of others. I, I, still influenced to some extent uh, by uh, Seth Godin and uh, he doesn't talk about digital and social but he t- just talks about the, the the humanity of business and I think we've got to remember that it's that largely what we're doing today in social is is just replicating the age-old requirement to build up relationships meaningful relationships with people that are based on on trust and credibility well this has been Fantastic, mate. I have thoroughly enjoyed hearing you talk about this topic. I think Robbo and I have got a uh, to-do list of things to uh, take care of, mate, haven't we? Indeed. But you haven't asked the one hard-hitting question yet, Gary. Oh, no. Here it comes. Uh, no, this, okay, you go. Yeah. I, I, gonna, I think I know where you're going with this. Who's going to win the World Cup? <laughs> <laughs> uh, who do I think is going to win the World Cup or who do I, I think wants to win the World Cup? Uh, let's go both. Yeah, go yeah, answer well, both. In, in, yeah, in. And, and look, I am from New Zealand originally. I think you know that. And, yeah, and now yeah. I live in Australia. So, yeah, um, Fosh, this is all- Fosh kind of gave it away earlier. Well, exactly right. So, um, look, I've, I've got to say, I have to say, I, I, if push comes to shove, I, I have to go to the All Blacks. Yeah, I thought you might say that. I probably pissed a whole lot of people off now. I'm, dis- I? I'm disappointed for you that you're supporting them. But, yeah. <laughs> At least I was honest. At least <laughs> we know right. where we stand. Yeah, I'm actually okay with that. <laughs> so I don't think we'll hang up. I'm actually, uh, in fact, I was in New Zealand doing some speaking jobs last week, and I. One of the things I said when I started uh, on the on the stage was that uh, I love being over there, and I actually, I as much as it's Wallabies all the way, I do really admire the All Blacks, uh, their culture and oh, their brand. Yeah, there's I, such um, a culture around them. Yeah, yeah, I think it's uh, it's great, and um, so that's great. But the the one question I thought you were going to ask Robbo is. Mm. What is the go-to song for Tim Martin from Net oh. 101 when you want to get your mojo working? Yes. Oh, wow. Um, that is that is a great question. Um, I mean, if, if I can play the irony card, um, and, and this is just super topical because my daughters are doing a, a school production mm. um, in, in a few weeks' time, so they've got to learn all of the songs. Right. And uh, what they've been doing is getting up in the morning and uh, playing the song through through YouTube, but um, I the Tiger is one. Oh. I'm sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, I the tiger. It takes me back, and of course, how cheesy the whole thing is. But uh, they've been doing this for for a couple of weeks now, and and I'm thinking if 
I'm in the groove that if if they kind of stop doing it, I'll be thinking, "Where's my eye of the tiger river?" Yeah, yeah. there you go. To, to get going. So there you go. Yeah. I got to say, I um, the Rocky movies have been on television over the last few weeks, and I caught the what the the movie. What I think it was number three or whatever that that song's in. And it just reminded me how much of it, the time, it's no wonder it became such mm. a hit because you watch it in, in situ in that movie and you just go, mm. wow, it's just mm-hmm. perfect. It's brilliant. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I thought you might have said computer games, my sex with, you know, the New Zealand band and computer games and all that sort of stuff, you know, a bit of synergy there. Yeah, I wasn't quick enough to think of that. <laughs> I thought you would have go. I thought when you set that up, I thought you were going to go crowded house with a foot in, foot in both lands. Yeah, yeah well, there no, you go. There's absolutely. another one. Absolutely. Hey Tim, uh, where I, I, I and anyone listening who I'm sure you've gotten value and you will want to follow this up because I, I think it's fair to say, Tim, we've scratched the surface of all this stuff mm-hmm. to allow people to follow you up to hear more, see more, meet you, talk to you. Where should we send people, mate? Look, the, the website is, is is my go-to place, and of course that branches out to to all of my other um, properties. Uh, so that is uh, net. 101.com.au, so net101.com.au, uh, or of course you just go to Google and, and Google Tim Martin. Um, I'm, I'm fairly visible out there. And I've also got to put a plug in uh, for your podcast, mate, Net 101, which you can find through iTunes, and uh, it's a really good show. And I think I like about it is you pick a topic and you do deep dive. So whether it be email marketing or using a particular style of, of uh, social or you did one on the military and how the military using social. It's, it's mm. very, very good, mate. Well done. No, oh, thank you. Thank you. Puts us to shame. Yeah, well, you know, you got to spread the love and uh, at least I know where our listeners are. They're over at Net 101. Um, That's right. Tim, thanks again, mate. We won't hold you up. We know you've got a busy day and uh, it's been such a treat catching up and uh, thank you for sharing your stuff with us, mate. Thanks, guys. We'll do yeah. it again soon. And commiserations for the World Cup just in advance. <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> See ya. See you, See Tim. Buddy. Thanks, mate. Help us get the Mojo Radio Show on the iTunes What's Hot list. Hit up the Mojo Radio Show and leave a comment now. Oh, and please... You are such a disappointing pair. Be gentle with us. That was really useful for me. Um, the, the Voodoo Sound website's about a week away from, from finding, uh, finding itself live on air, so um, I, can, uh, I can maybe steal a few little ideas out of that. Yeah, I took a lot of notes. I think he's, um, he's very, very good. And mm. um, before we go, a couple of uh, housekeeping things. Um, if you like the show... If you'd like to leave a comment, uh, suggest people you'd like to hear from as mm. guests, uh, whether there's any improvements we can make or even questions you'd like to put to the panel, mm. me and Robbo, uh, you can call us now on 08 7200 or the easiest way to remember it is 08 mojo on your keypad. Mm. You'll hear the distinguished voice of AP, Wait till he finishes and then leave whatever you want. But uh, please give us a call. Let us know your thoughts. We will be on it. Um, and we won't lose your baggage either. And we won't lose your baggage. <laughs> and we won't troll you. That's right. Uh, we can take it. Um, but the other thing that I have to say, mate, is mm. I am really enjoying Rick Price's new album. It's, oh, I've, it's played awesome, it, it? I've played it every day for the last couple of uh, weeks since we got it. It's very good. Yeah, he's done a great job. It's really, really good. And I was by a flash of light, a mighty voice came calling. A sinner's cry turned to sweet rejoice. 
well done to Rick. And uh, we're still looking for uh, some winners, aren't we? Do it. Yes, so go to iTunes and go to the ratings and reviews section, which you'll see a little tab. Click on it. Drop us a line or two. Hit submit. Uh, it goes up in about 24 hours. We'll see it. And we're going to give away six copies of Rick's Seven. album. Seven. Seven. Well, yeah, well, I, I, I've... I've copied my copy so I, I figured we might as well spread the love and make it seven <laughs> so seven copies and we will announce them probably next week's show mm. and if that's you let us know and there's a copy of the album on its way to you absolutely so Very uh, good. that's about a show we're done see you next week Ciao. the mojo radio show is produced and recorded in the studios of voodoo sound For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at The Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybirtwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peter speaking. See you next time.